0: Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, The aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest today is Martin Smith, Managing Director of Specialist Recruitment Agency, Talent Drive, as well as the host of his own podcast called Talent Talks. Martin founded Talent Drive just over two years ago, and this has been his first taste of the entrepreneurial experience and journey. But before that he worked for a number of companies including Coca-Cola and other specialist recruitment agencies. Martin is clearly a talented individual as well as a proven self-starter with a keen interest in self development. He is a member of one of Evolve's peer groups and as a result over the last six to nine months i have got to know him really well. I thought it'd be great to sit down and talk to someone who's just beginning their entrepreneurial journey, and also discuss the challenges and changes happening in the recruitment sector right now. So in today's episode, Martin speaks about the demands and unexpected hurdles of starting his first business,
1: and how he adapted to them. Well, I guess yeah, going in and uh, and, and starting a business off, and then you know within the first year of having a global pandemic, I guess that's that's presented its uh, its challenges. Discusses the four principles he holds most dear. Work hard, be humble, reward loyalty, and accept we're all flawed.
0: And reveals the individuals he most admires, one of which may surprise
1: you. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a character. Um, he's not a big fan of Piers Morgan, if you follow on Twitter as well. But no, he's, he's an interesting person, and he's done very well with the business. If
0: you want to know more about Evolve and the services that we offer, as well as our lovely co-working space in Ashley Crossing Pool, then please go to EvolveMembers.com. You can register there for our weekly newsletter by joining our community for free. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Martin, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks for having me, Warren. Nice to be here. It's great to have you as a guest on the podcast. And in today's discussion, I really want us to explore your kind of entrepreneurial spirit and you're quite early in your journey so you're two years into your journey so really intrigued to find out a bit about more about how you found that transition and what it's like to go out on your own because i'm sure they're kind of still avid memories that you've got right now so tell us a little bit about your business talent drive and why you started the business
1: yeah, sure. So um, so Talent Drive is a, a specialist recruitment business. Um, we specialise in procurement supply chain recruitment across the UK. So from everything from kind of an entry level role way up to a what we'd call a procurement director. Um, I guess in terms of the why, I was sort of pondering this before today. And I was very lucky to work for two business owners before, uh, sort of boutiques in the recruitment space. And I think for me, I just felt that I wanted to ha- sort of... I guess be in charge of my own destiny a little bit, okay. um, and and I think kind of do it my way. Not that there was a, a right or wrong way, but just sort of, I guess, do it do it my way. And I saw a little bit of a gap in the market, to be honest, in terms of uh, doing things on a more personal level, um, getting kind of more thought leadership out there through through things like the podcast yep. and things, which which have been been great, which I do. Um, and yeah, I, I think for me, it. it it's been eventful, uh, which we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to. But uh, but yeah, look, so, so glad I did it. And I think, yeah, as I say, working for two business owners just felt it was the right time two years ago.
0: Right. So you'd learn and seen what others had done yeah. and just wanted
1: to do something for yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I was fortunate to kind of shadow both of them and, and, and understand sort of, you know, the, the, the challenges, obviously, of running a business and the stresses of that, but also... The success and and the empowerment that, that kind of gives and 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 they gave yeah. them so i think for me it was always in the back of my mind but um wouldn't necessarily say sort of destined for it i maybe when i was at school and things i didn't necessarily think i'd ever run a business but i think as i started to learn it through through working for two sort of boutiques in the yeah. in the area um it just seemed the natural path for me
0: you spent some time with Coca Cola as well, yeah, didn't you? So I what did.
1: was that like? So I went on the other side of the uh, the other the other side of it, really. Um, the gatekeeper, as we yeah. call it in recruitment. Um, so I think I think from so I worked in London for a business for, for sort of six years, and I think I was a little bit burnt out with it to be honest yeah. with you. And I was at that sort of cross sort of junction, I guess, in my life where I could either go down the internal route, and I was sort of interested potentially in the HR route as well, okay. which a lot of uh, recruiters sometimes naturally go into when they leave agency. And um, it would just so happen that an internal recruiter that I'd worked with in the past had gone over to Coca-Cola and she sort of said, you want to come in? But ironically, I went in there to actually not do procurement recruitment. It was actually to do sort of corporate um, sort of head office stuff, IT and HR. Okay. And within three months of me being there, there was an opening for the procurement area. And guess what? Uh, <laughs> that's I was, where you landed. That's where I landed. But <laughs> it was great. Look, I mean, for those, you know, it, it was a fantastic, obviously, it's an amazing business, a huge yeah. brand. And I learned a lot in that time. But I just... I just missed the variety uh, and the pace that agency give, yeah. gives you. And, and there just happens there was another opportunity that came up and saw a chance to sort of go sort of it. But yeah, it, I guess it adds some credibility when I'm talking to businesses around understanding the kind of internal processes as well as the, the kind of agency and I guess the sales side of it.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting thing you said about some of the reasoning behind it. And it was one of the motivations I had was that control of your own destiny. Mm. Now, how's the reality of that being, Martin? <laughs>
1: Well, I guess yeah, go, going in and uh, and and starting a business off, and then you know within the first year having a global pandemic, I guess that's <laughs> that's presented its uh, it, it, its challenges. Um, look, I mean, I think what I did when I set up the business, and I'm, I'm sure it was the same with you, I tried to surround myself with people that I trusted, mm. and that was both in terms of sort of doing the marketing strategy piece, and you know my accountant is one of my best friends' dads at the moment, um, and uh, you know I've got sort of people that I know from IT and all the. The kind of basis of running a business, which which I was lucky to do, um, but yeah, I mean it was incredibly challenging. I couldn't touch any of my clients for six months. I had a yeah. restrictive covenants on that, so that was incredibly tough to say thanks, but I can't talk to you for six months. Um, so I had to innovate, and I had to go out there and do, you know, the cold front of it, which which I hadn't done for a few years, which I actually think was really healthy for my professional development. And going out there and talking to businesses that I just simply didn't know. And mm. I couldn't just say, we've always worked together. That's just not yeah. a sales strategy. You're not clearly. using
0: that famous black book that e- you know?
1: Exactly. So it was it was tough. And we diversified and we did more in the supply chain side as well, which was actually really good fun and quite rewarding. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the pandemic hit and yeah. the, the lights were switched off in most buildings. And, uh, you know, for as you can imagine, recruitment wasn't on any business's agenda. I mean, we worked with organizations like flybee which obviously went bust and yeah. it was just like you know the invoice just went into thin air and it was quite scary for for probably three or four months of last year um but like i say we we, we actually managed to put more content out we did more pon- uh, podcasts we did more webinars just really sort of went out there and did more thought leadership and hopefully that's seen a return you know yeah. si- since then but um yeah last year was really really tough and we're slowly seeing the other side of it now and you know organizations are talking about growth again and yeah. innovation which is fantastic because last year as i'm sure it was for a lot of your your clients it was just in sort of risk management mode and crisis mode so yeah. um yeah tough but we've, i've learned an incredible amount since the since the two years yeah i'd
0: imagine yeah. and one of the interesting things there is about building the brand isn't it because i think that's something when i look at what you've done in that two years and you look at talent drive and, and thought leadership pieces the podcast we'll come on to discuss that and the other bits and, so do you feel that was clearly a really conscious decision when you set up was that you yeah. didn't want to be Martin trading as procurement, recruitment, you wanted a brand behind you? T-
1: totally. And, and I think, you know, without being disrespectful to, to the recruitment market, which I've been lucky enough to be in for 12 years, I think there's a lot of recruitment agencies, not just in the procurement profession, but more generally, that just transact. They just yeah. transact with a the customer, they get a briefing, and they just, you know, yeah. try and fill the job. And yes, of course, that's the core of our business. But I kind of wanted it a bit more. I wanted to have some fun with it. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to build more deep and meaningful relationships with with our customer base. And, you know, things like the podcast, hopefully things like the, the the post and the marketing and what we do is a little bit more modern. There's more empathy. And I think there's more, you know, it's a bit more authentic with our with our customer base. We try to be, that's yeah. one of our core values. Um, and I think hopefully that's that's been well really well received. And it's our key differentiator. Yeah. We don't sit there and sell the fact we've got a database of ex-candidates or you know, yes, of course, I'm experienced in the sector now, but it's more around we do things a bit different. Yeah. And we talk a lot about being the extension of the recruitment team or extension of the business, which I think is well, hopefully it's well received. And one of the things I think you do well, and again, it was
0: the early days of Inspire and we did the same, is that you sort of punch above your weight because yeah. you're putting that thought leadership out. And it helps you know promote the brand and, and that prominence then comes through and you can punch yeah. above your weight and perhaps attract opportunities you wouldn't otherwise uh do but you've also done that actually from something you've just said as well around that the outsourcing piece yeah and is that a tip and a recommendation you would give to others starting
1: totally focus on the core Focus on the core of what your business and your service offering is, and also what you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I'm not passionate about doing IT. I'm not passionate about doing the marketing specifically. Yeah. Um. And 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 finances and things like that. So, you know, early days, I outsourced everything from 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 a, away from the core business of recruiting, which allowed me to do what what, what ultimately we get paid to do. So, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Don't don't. You know, it's amazing how many business owners that I see that are still doing their own, you know, accounts yeah. or, you know, invoices and things like that, you know, try and try and get that away from your core activity to allow you to, to do the client development and, you know, the, the attraction piece.
0: And that's really what we've probably talked to a lot of business owners about. And even the teams within the businesses, which is about playing to your strengths, isn't yeah. it? You know, don't play to your weaknesses, play to your strengths.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, go back to your point around sort of talent drive. And yeah, I mean, I think we do try and punch above our weight, but it's not it's not just about Martin Smith and obviously we've got um, you know a, a great new addition to the team, Brad, who's coming and doing really well. But for, for us, it, we wanted to make it something that we could scale. Yeah. Uh, and that's to some of the, the vision behind it as well. So if somebody's
0: listening to this podcast, thinking about taking that leap, that next step and going out on their own, what words of advice would you give them? Um
1: I mean, do it. Firstly, okay, <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I would say definitely do it, you know, take the risk. What, you know, what have you got to lose? You know, there'll always be, for me, when I start the business, it was, there There will always be a job out there for another agency if, yeah. if I need it. And it'll be the same with, with all of your listeners in, in, in the markets that they do. But um, yeah, look, I think what I would say is make sure, you know, I used the word earlier and I use it a few times today, but make sure you're authentic with, mm. and you're doing it for the right reasons. Don't just do it for money. I mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I haven't set up this business just yeah. for a monetary gain. Yes, of course, hopefully if I scale yeah. it, I might be in a fortunate position to one day sell the business. But for me, I, I I, set it up for the reasons of I want to do something different. I wanted to build better relationships and I kind of wanted to do it my way. So I think as long as that's the core of someone and why they want to do it, then absolutely, you know, yeah. go, go and do it.
0: I think in the evolved terms and in, you know, my language, I talk that, talk to that about having sort of focus passion and belief yeah and that's where it needs to start from if you start with totally. focus passion and belief when times do get tough and a pandemic hits yeah then you're focused on like what can i do now and i've got belief and passion that this is going to come good if you don't start with that yeah then what may have happened march april last year when the phone stops ringing is you just yeah ebb away from it and go and find the new thing, and you've just played at it. Yeah, So and, and there's
1: temptations there. I mean, there was for me last year, the temptation was to just go, actually, it's been tough and, and whatever, but yeah, you, you you got about yourself, and uh, the passion world, I couldn't agree with it more. I'm very, very passionate about recruitment. I'm passionate about connecting people. I love that, um, and if it's something that you love, then absolutely, you know, go go out and then do it. Definitely, and
0: I suppose we should, if we're talking about the recruitment industry, and we should probably talk about, you know, we're sat here now, June 2021 everybody thought that there would be a glut of candidates on the market and as growth started us as employers would you know have the pick and choice and could fuel our growth with people and actually in all industries and some in particular the opposite is happening what's your view on that?
1: yeah look, it's, it's been tough and and i think talent shortage is something that's been quite a, a hot topic across all industries um i mean i think obviously when the pandemic hit last year and there was a lot of people on furlough and indeed let go um there was a heck of a lot of fantastic talent out there and very little jobs it's actually gone the other way now through more confidence and actually there's been a bit more business continuity mm-hmm. people have adapted to homeworking they felt a little bit more sort of confident to hire again but a lot of the best talent out there has now landed jobs, whether that's from contracting or permanent or whatever that mm-hmm. may be. So actually, there is now what we're seeing is a skill shortage. There has always been in my market in procurement supply chain, there has always been a skill shortage. Mm-hmm. And that's probably allowed me to do what I'm doing today. But, um, but I think, yeah, it's incredibly tough at the moment. And talking to other people, I know it's something that you and I have spoken about in your industry as well, finding really good talent. Mm-hmm. That not only has the right technical basis to do the role but also has the right soft skills and actually can come in and fit culturally well into your team is incredibly tough um mm. and it's something that i I, th- I think from a procurement profession there needs to be more upskilling and i think there needs to be more graduate programs to encourage people to do it because in that industry very little people know about it you know mm. in the in the accountancy space that you work in You've got the accreditations, there's quite a clear, you know, you do a, a yep. degree in it and you develop on in your accountancy and finance exams. Whereas in procurement, people just fall into it, a bit right. like recruitment, I guess, but <laughs> people just fall into it. So there needs to be more done, I think, to upskill and develop it as an industry and that, that people know about it.
0: Yeah. OK. And I, but I just, yeah, I think it's a challenge. The graduate thing is quite interesting as well, isn't it? Because I do wonder now within most industries that rely on graduates, mm that what's going to happen in two three years time because that normal flow of graduate trainees coming through that progress gain their exams qualify experience hmm. then next the second tier you know that recruitment is if not stopped
1: yeah it's really slowed down yeah. and that's going to
0: have an impact further
1: down the line isn't it yeah totally and, and more people from the cost of universities now um you yeah. know, compared to when i was at university um, is three times the, the, the cost to, to families and, and to those students. So I think more people now are, are looking to sort of exit from after their A-levels in college and stuff and going out into to jobs. So we're almost seeing a slightly bit of a lost generation of people coming into the profession and indeed other professions. So there is something that I think the, the government and I think we need to look at a bit more.
0: Okay. We'll come on and talk about what your definition of success is towards the end of our discussion. But clearly you've, you've achieved success. You've got some momentum what do you think some of the qualities that have been essential in you getting that momentum have been?
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think, firstly, it's, it's being adaptable, whether that's being adaptable in terms of sort of communication style for the appropriate audiences or, you know, to adapt to uh, adversity or, um, you know, a, a change in market. So I think certainly being adaptable is, 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 is one Um, I think the number number one thing for recruiters, being a good listener. Mm. Um, It's very easy in any sales job to just talk at people and sell your product, but I think actually you've got to be able to listen. You you can't be good in recruitment or any sales job um, if you can't listen. You won't be be able to understand um, what the need is. Um, I think listening allows you to build empathy and rapport. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a real, real sort of key quality to, to, to have as well in any business leader. And understand your audience, understand your team, um you know you can sell in but if you don't understand it you're not going to be able to deliver um and I think I've used this word before but I think being authentic mm. um you know that means a lot to me it's grounded it's honest um it's being real to the people around you um and as a result people are more likely to buy into that and, and okay. allow you to build a credible business so
0: and I suppose can we just expand on that a bit yeah. more
1: about what you really mean? Because you
0: have used that term and it's a really interesting term isn't it being authentic mm. And in terms of talent drive, what does it being authentic really mean?
1: Connecting talent. I know that might sound a bit, sorry, yep. that probably sounds a bit cheesy, but it's it's about going, you know, a client has a need yep. and it's just understanding, you know, stripping it back, what actually do you need? You know, yes, there's a job spec we can read and yes, there's a salary banning and whatever, but actually it's really understanding the true true kind of core personality of that individual, what the business represents. Actually, are they struggling and they just need someone to come in and save the company money? Mm. That's fine as well as an approach. But I think it's kind of going under, the, lifting the bonnet up a bit and going underneath and understanding what's real to them. Yeah. And and trying to engage that rather than just putting a sales pitch in and just say, you know, we're wonderful and we've got this, this and that. that just and I suppose, yeah, again, work.
0: I suppose my analogy is that is always always having a discussion, whether it's with Evolve around the coaching or Inspire around the advisory side of things, is what does good look like? Yeah. What are they trying to achieve? What You know, whatever that timescale may be, yeah. what does good look like for them? You know, for some clients, it's that actually they're in a really tough spot and they just need to be around and in business in two years time. And other clients, it's actually growth, hand on to the next generation, maybe exit or whatever it may be. But if you don't know what good looks like... Yeah client delight client
1: service is really hard to deliver isn't it totally and i think it's also about who you you select to, to use uh, or, or work with rather yeah. you know that one of the most empowering things and the fortunate things as a business owner is that you can also say no mm. and i think that's quite a powerful thing you know we certainly in the early days i, I worked with a few businesses which were, were really challenging they pushed me on payment terms they pushed me on their demands they didn't let me talk to directly to line managers i just had to deal with hr you can't build any relationship or no. really truly understand a job if you you're not doing that and we've had to say no uh, And but that's a learn by the way I, 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 I was going
0: to say I, is that one of the compromises you yeah, made it it your... was
1: early days you're, you're in yes mode and, yeah. and, and listeners that are thinking about setting up a business or maybe in those early stages which which I still am I see myself very much still in early stages two years in the easy thing is to say yes because yeah. it's a customer and it's potential cash for your business yeah. but actually that can tie yourself in knots it can compromise your values it can compromise your your energy into something that, that, that may well not sort of materialize uh, and I learned the hard way with a few businesses, but, you know, I, I sort of said no to them and they didn't value, they you know, didn't sit in our true values yeah. and actually now the businesses I am proudly work with are are all understand talent drive, they understand me and also I understand them. And yeah. it's, a, it's a very reciprocal kind of two-way relationship, which is what recruitment should be. Yeah. And I think too many agencies will just accept the job briefing and just go off and, and yeah. do it. Yeah, and, and isn't I'm, that a challenge
0: you must face? I mean, it's the same as any mm. sales organisation. There's always a competitor out there that will do it cheaper totally. and, and they'll just you know throw darts at a dartboard dart or product or services yeah. and hope something sticks and yeah. if you're the at the other end of the market in whatever industry it is in a sales environment trying to do the advisory sale mm. and your competitors are doing the polar opposite sometimes that must be really frustrating
1: It is and obviously procurement are, are trained negotiators so they are at the <laughs> <Okay>. face <coalface laughs> of negotiating that contract as well so uh, they're there trying to get the best price um, so it's incredibly tough as a recruiter in that space but I always say to businesses uh, and, and hiring managers, if it's about cost, if it's about price, don't work with me. Yeah. Because if we make it about that, you know, it's not about that. Now I'm not super expensive. I'm not in the bespoke no. exec search market, and I'll make it a manageable price to to offset what they want. So, for example, if they wanted to give exclusivity with me you know and, and not work with any other recruiters then I can compromise those things yeah. but if it's purely about price I'm not the right recruiter for them right. um, we're, we're a specialist we're a boutique between me and Brad we've got over 20 years experience in the industry and we value that um, so I think that's, that's something again as a bit of advice I guess to give to people don't just make it about price and the same with your sales pitch don't yeah. just make your sales pitch about price because actually You're just then creating a transactional relationship.
0: I suppose it does come back to that whole, what's your positioning, isn't it? Mm. And you've got to define your positioning. And I think something that, I suppose, advice to anybody on those first steps or started a business and it's just struggling a little bit to see the way through, is to work out what your positioning is, You know what your product is, what your market is, what your price point is. Because there is Mm. some... uh, price it low stack it high there's a model there it's just got you got to understand where you are in that yeah model haven't you
1: and i think also i would say on that point that once you've got a customer that is good they're 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 engaged with you you know they're they're the relationship is working well wrap it in cotton wool you know love and nurture that relationship develop it because you know my word we all work with challenging businesses at times and i think once you get a good one they are gold dust. And, mm. you know, again, there's a few that we really we love working with and they get us and they're fantastic. Um, so, yeah, when you do get a good customer, you know, love and nurture them. Yeah.
0: So love and nurturing them in a normal world is easy. Love and nurturing them in a kind of COVID pandemic world as your new business, you know, just establishing relationships isn't so easy. So any advice on how you've gone about doing that?
1: Yeah, I I guess that that that's true, and obviously interviewing has always been face to face. And when the pandemic hit, we were just all doing it yeah. via video and things. So, um, look, I I think little and often contact is is what, is what I would say with your with your with your client base. You know, we we check at the start what the parameters are in terms of the communication. So, for example, we now starting to use WhatsApp with with some of the hiring managers that we've got good relationships with. Now, that's not professional on all counts, um, but you know, when we start building those relationships, and a lot of those have started during the pandemic so a lot yeah. we haven't met with you know there's loads of clients I now work with which I did I've never met them so I think it's the little and often there's the short sharp if they are you happy with a text are you happy with a you know a message an email what is the best communication style I think understand that up front that is more important now than ever because before it was we've got a new client we're going to go to London or yeah. go to Surrey or whatever and travel down to see them we can't do that so I think the little and often contact understand the sort of parameters that you can work off i think that would be my my main thing
0: and do you think that's changed forever or do you think they'll become a reality check in 18 two, two years time when we're back to got a new
1: client let's go visit them well that's the million pound question man. It it? I, 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 I don't know um i think there'll be a blend um and we spoke about this off air before i i think you know certainly how i'm going to set up my team moving forward will be a couple of days together a week and then a few from home and i think there'll be What I would like to see with clients is um, maybe like a quarterly review and actually doing that face to face. But certainly on every job brief, we don't need to see people. And I don't think I think that's changed forever now Mm. moving forward. Um, And I think it will be just, as I say, when the business, you know, the, the needs are. One of the other things from the recruitment process, which we're now seeing as well is, as we're starting to hopefully see some light in the tunnel with all of this, is they conduct the interview process all online. And then, with the preferred candidate, and they've agreed the, the salary and the, the terms, um, they'll then meet them in the office to fill the culture. And they'll go down and mm-hmm. invite them in, test the commute, make sure they're happy with the environment before they then give the contract. And I think that will be increasingly something that businesses do. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, we've hired new team members. and it, Yeah, how have you found that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, been, it's it's been an interesting process. We've done, you know, first interviews online typically and then brought them in the office and brought them in the environment. But, you know, it's still. I think the difficult bit is not the recruitment process because I think you've got, you can follow that and you can do that on Zoom and at some point you meet them face to face before the offer. Quite like the idea of, you know, if things tighten again, which hopefully they Mm. don't, Mm. you actually bring them in once you know. But I think it's the induction. Mm. I think the bit that I'm excited about getting our teams back into the office is those new team members have got a little bit of our culture. Mm. We've recruited based on our essence spirit and beliefs, but really until they come into the office yeah totally. and they're around the team members they they'll subsume it at that point yeah and that's the bit that's probably missing you know particularly for much... the
1: more inexperienced people Correct. as well that maybe yeah. co- just coming into the careers and stuff you'll probably need to sort of support them a little bit more yeah and it's very difficult to do that remotely um, definitely. yeah definitely agreed. so back to your own journey what are the things that keep you up at night martin now you're two years in um Newcastle United, uh, <laughs> I would say they keep me up at night. Uh, my, my beloved Newcastle. So my my. my oh, you
0: took Callum Wilson from Bournemouth. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> indeed. And if it wasn't for him, we would have been relegated. To be honest with you. So um, what keeps? Me up? I I I think for me it is sometimes hard to switch off from certain things. I think what keeps me up at night is you know is Brad happy? Is he you know is he is, you know, people are, mm. I've, I'm I'm sort of having the business? Are they are they are they enjoying it? Are they engaged? Are they energised? Do they believe in our core values? A um, few clients, certainly from from payments and things because you're at yeah. the cold front of it and, and you know, there is a few slippery uh, things there. And, um, you know, again, do the clients get us? I think the stresses at night are probably more from new clients than pre-existing. Okay. So new clients, when we've onboarded them, it's why are they working with us? And in that early stage of the relationship is... Do they understand our business and what are they looking to get out of this? Because they can sometimes say one thing, hmm. but sometimes actions could be another. So I think it's more the new clients that we're investing time with, and do they get us and are we getting them? Now yeah. we understand them. Because the worst thing is you get a new client on, you don't deliver that that first impression. Yeah. Everything in business, um, and I'd hate to think that someone you know wasn't happy with our service. So that's probably the biggest the client service, the client thing. service thing, particularly in the new our business. Are clients happy? Yeah, I
0: suppose. Out of all of those things we've talked, you've outsourced quite a lot. You know, the marketing, the finance, you know, all of those kind of aspects. Um, is there anything there that you worry about being inexperienced in? And if you were to do the journey again, sort of grow as an individual before you did it?
1: Yeah, I, I think on the finance side, an understanding kind of from, from you know, tax liabilities and corporation yeah. taxes and all those sort of things, um, you know, VAT and what flat bait and what should I be doing with that and stuff. And also, I've, I've, you know, accountants obviously something, but I think I'd almost understand that up front and maybe actually put a proper sort of P&L in yeah. and actually understand, okay, the trajectory of what year one. Because I kind of just went, well, I can recruit. Yeah. I know my market. I'll just go and re- work with clients yeah. and build them money and I should make money from that. I think I would always put a bit of a plan in uh, and yeah. always put a, a, a maybe a best and a worst case sort of plan in. So maybe a, a bit more number crunching in advance. Which is something I really didn't do. Um, that would be my sort of That would be the piece. Yeah.
0: And in terms of you've continued to develop yourself, you know, you're you know, you should tell the listeners you're a member of one of the Evolved Peer Groups, which is great to have you as participating in in one of those groups. So you've continued to develop yourself as an individual. That's yeah. clearly been a really conscious decision.
1: Yeah. I've had to. I, I'm. I'm am I'm a very. I would describe myself as an an, an immature business owner um, compared to certainly a lot of the the, yeah. the the great guests that I listen to on your show. Um, and I'm learning all the time. I, I think to be clear, you should learn in business all the time, whether you know you're two years in or thirty-two years into a business. Um, you should always be evolving and learning, and they go evolving. Yeah. Uh, and and you know learning and developing. And and I think for me. I know how to recruit, but I don't know how to run a business. It was essentially what was my attitude when I yeah. set up. So, and you know, you've got to take the learns on the way. So I, yeah, I make a conscious effort. The Evolve, the Evolve Peer Group is, is fantastic. Learning from business leaders with different levels of maturity. I think the biggest learns are from those that make mistakes and they share those mistakes with with individuals and different events and people that I've spoken to that said, look, don't do this. And you know, it's, it's easy to pick out bits of advice from different people, but I think the biggest learn is from from, from things yeah. you've done done well as well as not done so well but yeah, um, yeah it's the I'm good, always the bad evolving. and the mad isn't to- it it's totally. of life and business yeah. and, you know, you've got to understand it all yeah wouldn't life be dull if you just ran a business that it was always yeah it's all fine you know <laughs> you want to challenge yourself you want to push yourself but that also can create yeah. challenges on the way and i think you know that's actually part of the excitement and the enjoyment of, of running a business sometimes the stress but
0: yeah and i suppose that leads into that question about how you know being entrepreneurial how's that affected your personal life
1: well, I've got a very loving wife, uh, now wife, just got married. Uh, Congratulations. So, so, yeah, thank thank you. Um, so I think I I think that definitely has an impact, certainly the last eighteen months particularly. I think the first six months of setting up the business, it was all very new and shiny, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like ignorance is bliss, maybe. But I think the last eighteen months, um, trying to navigate that, as I say, out of the pandemic was was a challenge. Um, but I think as I say, you know, Elle, my wife, is very supportive. You know, she's very good at keeping me a level head and being quite pragmatic about things as well. And I think my advice to anyone is, you know, get make sure there's someone around you, whether it's a friend, whether it's a partner, someone that hasn't got a, um, a professional attachment to your business, mm. and ideally not an emotional one either, to, to almost use as your soundboard. And you've been great at me as well. And, and sometimes just sort of saying, you know, am I mad by doing this? What's your thoughts? Yeah. I think that's really, really important to have. You shouldn't just be taking advice from, from shareholders or, or, yeah. or people that are employed by your business as well um but but yeah look we're, we're in a beautiful part of the world here i managed to get down the beach and i do a lot of exercise i do my runs um and i think again it's i, I have make sure i have an hour dedicated every day which i'm doing something that isn't at my desk staring at it staring at the screen um, whether that's a run whether that's just a walk uh you know down the road or whatever right. that may be it's really really important to dedicate the time and again there's so many business leaders that I talk to, which they just get up at seven, they straight on the laptop, and they they're way through till nine o'clock at night. How can you possibly work yeah. productively for that long? So, I make sure I break down the day and and you know empower the people that work for me to do that.
0: And and it's great to have that. You know, I like that idea of just setting aside an hour because I think when times get tough, we all can just revert to we need to be
1: at the coal face and yeah.
0: neglect ourselves as individuals yeah. and and not look after ourselves, and that then has impacts and consequences, yeah. doesn't it, inevitably?
1: Well, there's always something you can do. You know, you yeah. can always be working the whole day. Yeah. You can always put a meeting in or have a call, and of course, but yeah, you, you've, you've got to take that step back, and I think we've all learned that during the, the last 18 months yeah. of taking a little bit of step back and spending more time with family and friends when we're able to, um, and I think that's really healthy when you run a business. Yeah. And what do you think the best piece of advice you've ever received
0: is then? You talk about listening to others, but. What's that bit of advice you've perhaps received? And maybe going back to your career days, not yeah, necessarily Yeah.
1: De- no. de- definitely. I, I think it was my, uh, my first recruitment agency that I worked in in London. Um, one of the directors there um, talked to me about creating my own identity. When I started out in recruitment, I, I was just literally just watching the people around me that were very successful and just trying to copy it yeah. and mimic what they were doing because it worked for them. So it worked for me. But actually, sometimes when you take yourself in a uncomfortable situation which isn't naturally something you would do you're not always going to perform Mm. so i think creating your own identity you know picking bits from different people is Mm. what he told me and actually then create your own you know martin smith yeah rather than just trying to be this person or this person has the thing that's 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 probably put me in best stead and you know allow me to to create that so i'd say that was probably the the bit that i've picked up on the most in in my career
0: right it's a good bit of advice, isn't it yeah it no, I really value
1: that, and it, and I, re, I really sort of took that on board because it's very easy to fall into a trap of just copying others. Yeah. Because it's working. for them. in a the sales environment, I'd totally. imagine. Yeah. Totally, because you know the typical sales thing is sell at it until they say yes. Yeah. And 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 that isn't that isn't typically my approach, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was good advice.
0: And you're an individual that I think's got strong principles, and I think our listeners will hear that listening to this um, podcast and this conversation. So, what are some of the most important principles that you have as a individual work
1: hard yeah De- definitely you know you, you can't run a business you can't be successful in business if you're not working hard it's you know that that's you've either got to get
0: very lucky or work hard yeah <laughs> totally. yeah you, you can yeah maybe inherit
1: something or uh or, or, or have the odd thing falling a lap but for for 99.9 percent you, you definitely need to work yeah. hard um be humble uh we've kind of talked about that a little bit on here already but i think it's really important to have humility mm. um I, I think you know that all goes back to doing it the right way and doing Setting up your business for the right reasons, but being being quite human and and, and having that humility is really important. Reward loyalty; is yeah. one of our core values. as um, it, talent, drive, um, and accept we're all flawed. Yeah, and that's the thing. Do you know what? That's the thing that I learn. I'm learning, and, and it's my biggest challenge. It's very easy. I probably do this in my personal life as well, but certainly professionally. I look at other recruiters that don't quite do it well, whether they work for me or not, and I go, "Well, I do. I can do that. I can." you know, open that door and yeah. win that client. Well, why can't you do it? And people have different strengths and weaknesses. We, we accept, we should accept that we are all flawed as individuals and play to people's strengths and, and develop their weaknesses. Um, you know, there's no point asking me to put some wonderful spreadsheet together of all my accounts and numbers because I'm not good at it. I'm not yeah. good at attention to detail. So why would I invest hours and hours and hours to try and train myself on that? I'm going to focus on the stuff that I'm good at and similar yeah. with others around you. So I think that would be my my kind
0: of four yeah good four yeah, I like those I like those principles I like accept people's flaws which is I suppose as the business grows becomes something you try and do I think one of our mistakes was we forgot that for a little bit of time mm. um, we're back to now you know we talked earlier about playing to strengths and trying to make sure we play to everybody's strengths yeah uh, I think I started with the realization that for Andrew Chris and I within Inspire you know for me within Evolve we needed to do that and then when we realise the benefits that had, you realise, mm. well actually why we're we just doing it at the senior level. Yeah. Let's do it throughout the organisation. But
1: it, it it can be a challenge. It is challenge. I I it's it's my thing that I have to work on hardest than anything else to be honest with you is, is accepting that we are all flawed and people have strengths and weaknesses and, and learning on them. So yeah, it's 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 something that uh, you know, as a business as a business owner, you've you've got to be quite resilient about it and accept that.
0: And is there anybody out there that you you know, a personal hero, public figure that you particularly kind of admire, somebody that you look at in the industry, outside of the industry, that you think actually, if one day Martin Smith could be. Mm.
1: Yeah, I was. I was giving this some. It's, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there's certain people that that I that I do respect. Well, I'll I'll give you a couple. So, I guess on a personal front, um, my, my dad, who I'm very yeah. close to, I, I I he's taught me a lot of uh, of skills. Um, I, I think particularly around sort of being being sort of having humility um you know he's someone that wasn't an entrepreneur he worked for yeah. the same business for over 40 years he was incredibly loyal We talked about that value of loyalty
0: yeah, yeah so how did he feel when you s- left kind of the, the <laughs> secure employment world and went i'm going on my own dad
1: he won't mind me saying this uh he was like don't do it uh, initially because because you know he was it's successful alien. in a business for years it, it maybe in his thing it was a generation thing as well i don't know but i guess he was worried about the mortgage and the security and all the stuff that will naturally go through anyone's yeah. head when they set up a business um and i think you know for him that the, the the work ethic and the and the loyalty that that hopefully i i've sort of try and show to people is something that i've learned from him yeah. so i think he's he's definitely one um you know but he's been so supportive and, and him and my mum know that uh, i've got the gift of the gab in the family and yeah. uh and and that was probably my my path to go down but uh but yeah i think at the start it was a natural oh are you sure about this <laughs> yeah um so, so certainly him. Uh, a friend, a dear friend of mine, who lives in China. His his father, um, a guy called Rob Rosselli, who runs um, Kitchen Bathroom Elegance, uh, which okay. is to here. It's a it's a living elegance, fantastic business. He he had nothing uh, coming out of school, and you know really sort of developed himself up, and he's created a wonderful business while having a family. So real credit to him. So he's a real inspiration okay. to me as well. Um, which obviously, maybe some people might know him. Um, And then I guess from a public figure, you might laugh at this, but it's actually quite, his autobiography is quite a good read, but Sir Alan Sugar, not from how (laughs) he ran Tottenham um, at all, um, but just uh, more the principle of, I think, any public figure that can have nothing, truly nothing, like he did growing up in London and had a lot of sort of, um, you you know, challenges around him to then creating the business that he has... Um, as I say, the autobiography is quite a good read. It it's, okay. it's, it creates a lot of humility, and uh, I think he's done well. But um, I mean, there's loads of people. Really,
0: because I'd have thought he was the kind of epitome of the kind of character that you are it, in no, business. He is
1: epitome. He is absolutely the epitome. It's not how I run a business at all. But I and I, but I think what I like about him is he does it his way. Yeah. And you you know and, and you've got to respect that yeah. whether you agree with it or not. You've got to respect that. But I think again. From from having literally nothing and having this idea with Amstrad and, and creating this 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 you know he was he was on the streets selling uh, on the yeah. market stalls and, and then to to get to where he's done I think I've got a lot of respect so he's Marmite as a personality for yeah. sure um, I, I quite like The Apprentice as you can imagine but yeah not not a personality that <laughs> I admire but as yeah. an individual and a business owner I do
0: and I suppose in life sometimes you know people like that we don't appreciate again people as individuals do we and we yeah. might not. Lying with them but sometimes in life life's getting a bit bland isn't it and you yeah. do need characters
1: yeah he's, he's definitely a character um he's not a big fan of pierce morgan if you follow on twitter as well but no he's he's an interesting person and He's done very well with the business. So
0: I'd like to just touch on you know you're a guest on this podcast, but for listeners that are thinking about starting their podcast. Yeah. You obviously run talent talks, yeah. which has been really successful. What are the challenges and benefits you've seen from
1: launching and running a podcast? So I think the challenge is the time. It's it's yeah. finding people's time to to invest in doing that. And and indeed my time, as I'm sure, you know, you you, you have as well to, to do these. It's not just something that you go in and point and press and off you go. Um but I think the benefits way way outweigh you know outweigh that. Um, it's essentially sort of almost t- taking the sort of the mask off, as it were, of the business owner and actually having a bit more of a deep and meaningful relationship with with the business owners and the the leaders that you talk to. Um, so I've had incredible value from that. Whether it's kind of deepening current relationships I already had or just getting to know brand new procurement leaders, yeah. um, and actually raise the profile, uh, which I know something you're you're passionate about as well. I think raising the profile is in the industry is what I've you know why I do it. Yeah. To be honest with you, there's no real monetary gain. It's something that obviously comes out of my own marketing <laughs> yes. budget. I'm not making money from the podcast. Um, you should never set a, set start a no. podcast for for that reason. I think to add as well. Um, but again, it's just something different. I saw a gap in the market. No other procurement recruiter was doing it, or there isn't much procurement podcasting out there. Yeah. Um, so mine is quite sort of niche and boutique to that space. Um, but it touches got on broader business principles and and Mm. and other hopefully principles as well um but yeah look i I love it and i'd highly recommend people to 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 go and do it it's something fun and it's just a bit different rather than just setting up a webinar and clicking on and getting 100 people on it and talking about recruitment it's just a bit different and to talk to people on a bit more of a a a human human level it
0: has that outreach doesn't it that you sometimes can't quantify yeah and you know that touch point when you do a webinar or in when you could a real world event you'll get you know, there's 100, yeah. hundred people there. Yeah. But they're there for that moment. When you've got the podcast, it's got longevity, hasn't it? And the things that come out of it. But for me, I think it reflects that, you know, I'm loving this conversation. As I do all of the episodes we've done, and I always come away with at least one thing that goes, oh... Yeah. Okay. It's made me stop and think yeah, yeah. during that course Absolutely. of that week or that conversation, and that's got to bring yeah. benefits as well.
1: And that's a really good point. And actually, from a procurement point of view, it's it's the stuff that allows me to, to keep up to date with my market and to yeah. add credibility. So, mm-hmm. if a client will come to me and say, What do you think about this in the market? I'm not then just Googling frantically, What does it <laughs> yeah. mean? What's that acronym mean? Yeah. You know, because there's, there's often guests that have talked about it. You know, at the moment, yeah. a lot of stuff around automation and AI and robotics is quite prominent in okay. in our industry as, as it is in lots. And, and actually, I had to sort of learn that and, and make sure I'm sort of on my toes with that when I'm talking to guests as well. So it really adds to credibility and it adds to the business. It's the yeah. brand, it's the proposition, it's the we don't just recruit punching like up, you're... Yeah, punching above your weight yeah. and
0: actually investing that time means that you really do want to share that yeah. knowledge.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And, and doing it for the right reasons, as I say, Definitely. that's a really, really important thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. So two years into your journey, where do you see yourself in five years time? Where's talent drive in five years time, Martin?
1: Cristobal. So I hope, yeah. Um, well, I hope we wouldn't have yes. Yeah, the last couple of years we've had so a high performing team around me, I, and I think have elevated the talent drive brand. You know, I want it to be recognised as one of the the, the leading procurement recruiters in the UK. That's our vision. Um, you know, we're on that way now. I think we're on that journey in 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 a, in a positive way. Um, but I think to have a, yeah, a high-performing team that's quite self-sufficient um, and it can allow me to, to, to do the more kind of higher engagements with, with sort of the C-suite and, and yeah. look at different, you know, basically running the business, looking at other va- value stuff and diversifying the, the proposition that we're doing, doing more on the podcast and stuff. So having a core team around me was, is where I would want to okay. to be in five years.
0: Brilliant, fantastic. So I've got to end the podcast with the typical last question that I always ask. What's your definition of success,
1: Martin? Um, the definition of success for me would be, well, I, I, I being happy in what you do. Um, I, I was struggling to find something that wasn't cheesy when I was talking about the <laughs> definition of success. I think all of my answers were, were quite cheesy or maybe re- re- replaying some of the stuff that I'm, I've, I've already sort of said to you. Um, but I think, you know... It, for me, if you're passionate about what you do, and you enjoy the people you work with and enjoy your job, for me that is success. Brilliant. If you enjoy what you do, then you've nailed it in life, and that doesn't—that shouldn't matter what the monetary value is behind that, or how many tip people are in your team. Yeah. If you're truly happy in the job, that's, that's success. success. Perfect, Martin.
0: All right, if people want to learn more about you more about talent drive or, or listen to the podcast where yeah can they go? so if
1: you uh, so all, all the good uh, podcast channels for talent if you just type talent talks that's the podcast uh visit our website which is talentdrive.co.uk or if, if people want to want to reach out to me I'm, I'm martin at talentdrive.co.uk brilliant
0: thank you for being a great guest yeah. on the evolved succeed podcast thanks ron thanks for having me I loved what Martin said about wanting to be in charge of his own destiny and do things his own way and how this inspired him to start his own business. I'm sure that's a feeling a lot of you listening to this podcast will easily identify with. It certainly resonates with me. And perhaps reverting to trying to reflect on those original feelings, that focus, that passion and belief that you had when you started a business, can also act as an important reminder to you about why you do what you do, why you have a passion for what you do, when things are a little tough or you just feel a little jaded. I also hope that anyone listening who's thinking about starting their own business will feel informed and inspired listening to Martin's story, especially considering that he set up Talent Drive only months before the pandemic. There's no doubt Martin's attitude to self-development and having a strong set of principles are really important characteristics and I believe that I'll hold him in good stead as he grows his business in the years ahead. I also love just to conclude what he said about accepting that we are all flawed in some way, something that I'm going to reflect on in the days and weeks ahead. Thank you for listening and if you do want to learn more about Evolve then please do go to EvolveMembers.com You can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter as well as learn about the services that we offer at Evolve including our peer groups one-to-one coaching, courses for teams as well as our lovely co-working space at Cross Crossing Pool and if you are a business leader in Dorset and Hampshire then I'm really excited to be able to say that through the Dorset LEP and the Solent LEP we have some fully funded peer network and peer group programs that we can offer to you so if you want to learn more again go to the website or please call the team i really do hope you've enjoyed this episode and if so please help us by rating reviewing and subscribing and listening to future episodes thank you for listening